0: To the Claim the Stage podcast, I'm Angela Lucier, and I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. Okay, today's show is a little different than our usual show. It's uh, it's going deep into a subject that I think is probably more common and prevalent than we talk about, and. It is drawing the connection between feeling voiceless as an adult and experiencing trauma as a child. So my guest today is a board-certified psychiatrist, a Harvard-trained trauma expert, and founder of Project Untangled, a model of care for trauma survivors. His name is Dr. Omar Rita, and he has extensive experience and expertise in trauma-informed care art and play therapy, refugee mental health, Muslim mental health, and the use of dialogue to combat hate. He's also the author of the book Untangled, a go-to guide for caregivers of traumatized children, families, and communities. I first learned about Omar through a friend who was taking a course he had created about um, this, you know project untangled and she just raved about him and his level of expertise and background and the subject and I thought it would be really important to have him on the podcast to talk a little bit about that connection and what adults can do now if if they did have that trauma occur in their childhood how can they find their voice? what are some easy and, and not easy but you know some starting point steps they can take to start to reclaim. Their voice. So today's episode, I was definitely really nervous to interview him. Um, it's so outside of what we normally talk about on the show that I think I was just like kind of stunned. <laughs> You'd probably be able to hear it in my voice, <laughs> but we try to get into. All the all the different pieces that happen in childhood that can you know steal a child's confidence and safety and voice and then what we can be doing later on in life. So I hope you take some some good tidbits from his his advice and if needed you know um, start trying these different things out. So before we jump into that interview, I do want to share one big update. I am launching a new course. It has been. Such a long time after, you know, having the baby and being on maternity leave and then kind of finding my brain again (laughs) and then the pandemic, it's like, (sighs) okay, I'm going to make something. Now I've heard from a lot of people that they're really struggling with online presentations. They're struggling with putting the content together, delivering it in a way that's engaging and keeping people paying attention, and they're struggling with the technology. So if you are in this boat, if you have to give presentations for work, if you're just, you know, sweating it out every time, this course is for you. It is called Online Present Online <laughs> Online Presenting Made Easy. Look at that. I didn't, I couldn't even say the title. It's so easy. (laughs) And it's launching Monday night, September 21st. It's a four week course. So it'll be every Monday night and it's uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern and I'm going to do some teaching and then you're going to do some practicing. So I'm going to give you some skills and some tools and some, some tips and advice, and then you're going to get a chance to actually do it in small groups and breakout rooms through Zoom. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a chance to do some stuff that you might not be able to do in front of your boss or your clients or your team. So you can practice in a place where really it's like, if you make a mistake, it's not a big deal. So I'm excited to get, to get that going. The link to register registration is now open is in the show notes. So you can go through that and, uh, get yourself into the class. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, um, hopefully you'll join us. So I think that's it for today. I want to make sure that you know about that new course that I think a lot of people could use. And without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Omar Rita. All right, Omar, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Angela.
0: It's really great to have you here. I was excited when a friend of mine told me about you and your work, and she told me about a course that you were teaching. On the subject of um, trauma, and we 're going to talk about that today and uh, what i 'm most interested in is learning more about how childhood trauma can steal your voice as an adult and I, I want to really get into why this is and what adults can do to try and work on reclaiming their voice. so I thought what we should do is kind of start in the past you know in when in childhood and talk a little bit about how these things can happen, how trauma happens. And I guess my first question is, what is the parent's job and what happens if they don't do that job?
1: Okay, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think as parents, we we need to create space, uh, offer grace and also respect the space of our children. So that means uh, all of our interpersonal encounters with our loved ones need to be graceful. We create spaces where they feel safe to grow and thrive at their own pace. that sometimes means we need to allow room for mistakes. Uh, I believe that if we are not invested or emotionally available, we might miss out on many golden opportunities to mold those beautiful little creatures we call children into competent and productive members of society. Mm -hmm. This can be difficult when there is in the background, because children of trauma especially trauma that's caused might have shattered core beliefs and distorted sense of identity and self-worth
0: okay so core beliefs self-worth yeah that stuff it sounds like things that i hear a lot from um, the women who are members of speaker sisterhood who are trying to reclaim their voice as an adult and trying to like work with a lot of those things that happen in childhood so i want to talk about Um, Another thing that happens in childhood and that is an attachment, right? Building an attachment with your caretaker. Uh, What is attachment and why is that important?
1: Yeah, attachment is the connection that parents have with their children. So when children have a secure bond with their caregivers, they usually grow up with a sense of safety. When that special bond is broken because of abuse or neglect or other forms of trauma, children might grow up with confused and distorted beliefs, they might no longer believe that the world is a safe place or that adults can be trusted. Uh, imagine how it might feel uh, like for a church child to grow up questioning everything around them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if a if a child does grow up questioning everything around them, what is something that like as a um as a trauma expert, what's something that you would do to try and get them to be more trusting?
1: Yeah, I mean, trauma can literally steal somebody's voice. So we usually we work on, you know, family bonding, we do activities that involve, you know, um, regaining that sense of safety. Um, Usually it comes through activities that are very simple and easy to master, like, you know, eye contact and smiling at each other and you know um, having a safe space for us to spend the quality family time together so attachment it's very important for children to regain that sense of bond with their caregivers even at a later stage of their childhood it's uh, always better late than never Mm -hmm.
0: so children let us know in various ways if their needs aren't being met And their behaviors are usually about three needs related questions. And I was reading your book, Untangled, a go-to guide for caregivers of traumatized children, families, and communities. And you talked about this in there. Can you share a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, thank you. So children have their basic needs that need to be met. And it's not because they are spoiled or that they crave attention. That is their basic, you know, human rights. These needs are like safety a sense of control, a little bit of independence, uh, they will let us know very loud and clear if uh, these needs are not met. So if we are deliberate parents who are, um, you know, invested and attuned to our children, we can intervene early and uh, bring comfort. But if we are not available to see or hear or feel our children, we might end up missing out on lots of their beauty because not paying attention to our children can have harmful and sometimes even disastrous consequences because they might engage in self-harm and other ways to you know, um, bring that attention to them. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, speaking of you know, disastrous consequences, let's talk about trauma for a minute. Um, what is trauma and what are some examples of the types of trauma children experience?
1: Yeah, so trauma simply is a stressful event that can overwhelm or deplete our inner coping resources. Uh, Trauma can be a natural disaster, like an earthquake, hurricane, tsunami, but uh, it can also be a man-made event, like wars, hate, terrorism. Uh, In a family context, it's usually uh, something like interpersonal violence, abuse, neglect, Um, and I, I include neglect because really emotional neglect and verbal insult can be as damaging to the psyche as physical violence. Mm
0: -hmm. And how does experiencing trauma as a child affect you as an adult?
1: Many children, they need to believe that the world is a safe place for them and adults can be trusted with their needs. So if there is an early childhood trauma that might make the children doubt the mere existence of safety, they might start to miss out on their childhood they uh, fear you know every single move and um, sometimes they doubt their own beauty. I uh, come across children who engage in self-harm and uh, lots of self-loathing language um, because of what happened to them. I believe our children deserve to enjoy every delicate single detail of their childhood and usually trauma will steal some of that joy away from them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, many people who experience emotional trauma as children metaphorically lose their voice. Why is that?
1: Because, you know, we don't speak up usually uh, when we don't feel safe. Um, There are heavy secrets that children take with them to their beds, and uh, they might come up terrorizing their sleep in the form of uh, frightening memories or nightmares. So, unfortunately, trauma is notorious for stealing uh, you know children uh, voice and child does not feel safe they don't share they keep the secret and that secret can be a very heavy burden on them for a long long time
0: so if you're an adult and you want to start speaking up and you feel a sense of safety in your life now maybe you're in a good relationship and you feel secure at your job how can you go about starting to regain your voice or feeling safe enough to use it again?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, safety is very important. So to re-establish safety should be a a priority in all of traumatized homes. Um, Parents can learn simple tools that might bring back safety to the household. Um, Tools like, you know, um, establishing eye contact, bringing safe touch, having, uh, you know, a smiley attitude towards our children that we, we see them with delight and joy. We have respectful dialogues with them. We spend quality time, um, especially, you know, during uh, special sacred moments, like our meal times, our bedtimes. And, uh, you know, some of us might, you know, have um, the pleasure of taking our children to school or bringing them back from school during difficult times, like, you know, the current pandemic, there are families that spend lots of time together, but uh, their time is not spent wisely. There is not much of quality interactions, and many of the children are spending most of their time actually on technology and avoiding eye contact. So I really uh, invite everybody to you know love their loved ones and take this as a golden opportunity to heal the relationship.
0: I think what you're saying sounds so simple and easy to do. I mean, there's, you don't have to like buy anything. You don't have to learn a new skill. It's like eye contact is something we can do starting right now, uh, smiling and safe touch. But how do you create some sort of routine or habit around doing it? Is there an exercise that helps build eye contact because I would think if you just walk into your house one day and say to everyone okay now mm-hmm. we're gonna start looking at each other more <laughs> people are, might might feel like well like what why what is how, how, why what are we doing <laughs> is there a way to introduce that that feels comfortable for everybody
1: yeah I mean uh, I I had the privilege of uh, you know going through the asylum seeking and the refugee journey so um, when you know, there was the war in my home country, Libya. I ended up going and trying to help, you know, children uh, who went through very, very traumatic experiences. But I left my family behind. And, uh, you know, I spent sometimes three weeks, sometimes three months working on the front lines of a disaster. So when I came back home, I noticed that uh, even my own children are quite anxious because they miss their dad or they have a fear of losing me. So I I, I started to learn, you know, very simple techniques of uh, play and art therapy, how to maybe have an, you know, staring contest. Maybe we can, you know, um, have an arm wrestling contest. Maybe we can just have a thumb war. Maybe they can come and uh, charge my battery when I, you know, or I can charge their battery. I will say, you know, today I feel very depleted and I want uh, a hug and then you know, my battery starts to go from 25 percent full to 50 to 75, and just the playful ways of bringing safety to the household. Of course, it will be wonderful if this is something that we do on a regular basis. That if we have a quality family time even before the trauma story comes into um, the picture. But even uh, if that's not our family, um, it's never late to start to love our loved ones and spend. Quality time with them because you know, um, th- there's an exercise in the book Untangled, I call it Starting with What Is. So, these are basically simple statements that we uh, can start to share as uh, traumatized adults to give permission for our children to also safe, uh, safely share their emotions. So, for example, I will say, You know, I'm really struggling with this, I want to be, you know, safe. Adult or safe parent, and I don't know, looks like um, things um, that I do make people walk on eggshells around me. Um, I people seem uncomfortable, uh, even our own family members seem to be uncomfortable uh, around each other because you know, trauma can make family members look at each other as enemies. And it will be wonderful if we just remind one another that uh, the trauma is our common enemy, we should stand as a A team and unite to heal our family together.
0: Okay, I like that exercise because I think it's just sort of naming the situation and without blaming. Um, Can you give a couple more examples of things that might go on that list? So if someone wanted to try doing that with their family, they would get a sense of how it works?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, being a human, being genuine. Like um, if you are a parent who shares their feeling and that usually gives the children permission to uh, share their feeling or at least feel safe around you even uh, you know some of the children especially during their teenage years they don't really talk but uh, just you sitting next to them letting them know that uh, maybe they are not ready to talk but you'll, you'll be ready to listen when they are willing to start to share their feelings So, just uh, telling them, you know, um, there are mistakes that we do as parents, that we try our best given our circumstances, that uh, yes, uh, maybe as a child, I was also, um, you know, survivor of trauma, but uh, it's my intention not to repeat the cycle. That's why I called my book, Untangled, and um, I created even a model of care called Untangled, because many, many families are tangled in the web of trauma that can lead to lots of dysfunction, If we don't confront that early, um, that dysfunction can go from one generation to another. So I think I owe it to my girls and I think parents owe it to their children to, you know, start to feel more comfortable sharing their feelings confronting distorted, you know, um, ways of thinking, especially self-loathing language, and also uh, showing children through example, through modeling uh, acts of grace and uh, especially self-care you know our children needs to know that we have the right to take care of ourselves
0: yeah so i'm wondering about steps that can be taken outside of the house too you know when you're not trying to work in a family unit unit but you want to sort of heal yourself is that when you talk about self-care is that going to therapy is that finding some sort of therapeutic practice for yourself whether it's journaling or meditation i mean what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there are, you know, thousands of ways on how to uh, be generous and compassionate and graceful to um, ourselves. I mean, uh, there are ways that, uh, you know, we can do in the nature. So, you know, walking in in nature, having, you know, a little bit of uh, exercise, you know, touching uh, fresh air and enjoying the outdoors. There are activities that are based on movement. So somebody is, you know, big on actual exercises or ways that uh, bring you know that energy release that anxious energy through moving our body that will be wonderful because we know uh, trauma lives in the body too uh, there are ways that we can use art um, you know we can uh, do either painting or drawing or um, whatever activity that bring us joy maybe it was a hobby before that trauma managed to steal away from us so, and uh, be graceful and, you know, celebrate small victories. We don't have to go immediately to the same routine uh, before trauma. But at least if we can start, you know, um, re-establishing some kind of structure after trauma, that would be wonderful. So, there are activities based on also memories. So, if uh, there is loss or if there is a grief, uh, if we are mourning a loved one or mourning special moments, there are rituals that we can do. So there are nature-based, uh, art-based, m- movement-based, and memory-based activities that can bring lots of self-care. But, uh, you know, I think most of self-care is not only, um, you know, a, a private or isolated event. Sometimes self-care for me is uh, spending time with my loved ones, uh, maybe doing a, a little bit of activities that are spiritual. And uh, whenever I have a couple of weeks uh, that are off work, I really, really find lots of joy going to a refugee camp. I, I know somebody might say that's not really self-care, but uh, for me, altruism and you know gratitude, seeing people who are less fortunate than I am, and bringing a smile to children uh, gives me lots of self-care.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. That last thing you said about you know gratitude and and being in service to others. Um, mm-hmm. I had I, I just heard about the neuroscience of. You know, being in service to other people can give you that same feeling of, like, dopamine. You know, that, that good feeling that you might get from um, doing something nice for yourself. So it can, it all depends on, you know, I guess you and and what brings you joy. Um, I'm interested. There's a quote in your book where you say, "Silence doesn't take the trauma away. Many times, it makes things worse. Encourage talking. Speaking up is the ultimate act of courage." And I'm wondering if you were thinking about that in a certain context, like, is that anywhere? Like if you're at work and your boss talks to you in a tone that feels uncomfortable, should you speak up then? Are you talking about speaking up at home with your family? Are you, is it in any particular uh, context or is it just in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in speaking up safely uh, against any form of violence or injustice uh, I, I believe that's the absolute and all act of courage. Of course, we need to do it safely, especially if there is an ongoing violence or abuse. Uh, so just because if we give each other permission to talk uh, and you know, start to create platforms that are safe spaces for people to start to share their stories, uh, they will regain their voice. They will start to narrate their stories in a way that, uh, you know, give them some kind of meaning. Because meaning-making is very important for healing uh, many people they believe the stories that were crafted for them and they believe somebody's version of their trauma story to take away um, you know your own n- narrative is uh, really very very powerful because uh, i believe you know if you give people voice and uh, you know that will take away lots of the power of trauma over them if we start to talk about our feeling about a frightening experience it might not be frightening anymore
0: mm-hmm. Awesome. Can you tell us more about your book and what it 's about and where to get it?
1: Yeah, so um as you know, I mean, I uh, come from lots of uh, you know traumatic backgrounds. you know I lost um, my sister when I was only six years old, she was fourteen. she died of brain cancer, and she basically was the reason why I pursued medicine. I thought I'm gonna become a neurosurgeon, but you know, every time I go to the OR, I will faint. <laughs> so, you know, you're not a good brain surgeon if you're always unconscious. So, <laughs> I found lots of comfort in uh, becoming an emergency room physician. But I was very attracted to people's stories and their psychosocial, you know, aspects of their care. Then I ended up leaving my home country, living in exile. Because my name came as uh, somebody who's a humanitarian activist, and that was not allowed back then. Uh, Ended up living as a refugee, Uh, came to the United States uh, very shortly after September 11. So I I, I went through waves of uh, you know discrimination and hate, and and I decided that uh, I'm not gonna become part of the problem. I rather be part of the solution. So rather than you know me repeating the cycle of uh, abuse or hate or violence. I wanted to become a healer. So, you know, I joined the field of psychiatry. Uh, I'm very big on, you know, doing dialogues as uh, ways to combat hate and start therapeutic and honest conversations. I'm very big on children play and art therapy activities. And also I found family bonding be extremely, extremely helpful for the healing journey of not only the family but also the community so i, I do like parenting seminars uh, you know marriage seminars I, I take children on retreats and camps and that created the model of care and somebody eventually said you have to basically put it down into writing and share that experience with the other communities that might benefit from the same model and that, that was created the book untangled. but uh, untangled, It's not only a book, not only a model of care. It's really a movement to try to bring healing to traumatized individuals, families and communities.
0: Yeah. And you also teach a course online. Is that the same program that you teach in person or is it different?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I do lots of uh, teaching and supervision and consultation online. Um, It's mainly about the trauma informed case, uh, given, you know, unique background coming from a refugee context, coming from a Muslim context, from an Arab con- context i I found that uh, there are many ways to you know share that experience uh, with people from other backgrounds and we found that to be healing for both of us
0: mm-hmm. well, thank you so much for doing this work and for being a model of healing and and showing that you can you know put good back into the world and hopefully inspire others to do the same. I think it's great. Where can we find more information about you and your book if people want to connect with you or, or buy it?
1: Thank you, Angela. I mean, uh, it is available on uh, Amazon. It's called Untangled. But also on uh, the Project Untangled website. Uh, I also have a you know, YouTube channel called Daughter-Father Bonding. So I have three beautiful children. All of them are girls. And they found that the relationship between girls and their fathers sometimes uh, is missing lots of uh, understanding and compassion, especially when, you know, our daughters become teenagers. We, uh, some of the fathers, they shy away from uh, holding them and, uh, you know, hugging them. And um, I'm very, um, I'm trying to be a very safe father. So me and the children created a daughter-father bonding uh, YouTube channel. And uh, we just try to pay attention to your loved ones, show them appreciation and lots of affection before it's too late, because you know, uh, I lost many loved ones for you know, wars and uh, terrorism and other traumatic experiences. And I'm a big believer on, um, if go tonight, um, don't wait until tomorrow, because life is too short. Show your loved ones how much you appreciate having them in your life.
0: Thank you, and and I think the message too is that there is hope in healing, and and it's in the in doing that that kind of connective safe work with the people who are in your life that you trust, right, and that you can start to heal those wounds with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, recovery and uh, you know healing is very very um, possible, and um, they are really. Um, Through showing compassion towards our loved ones, I believe love itself heals trauma. And uh, many of us, uh, we become more resilient and more beautiful, uh, not despite what happens to us, but because of our trauma stories. Yeah.
0: Well, Omar, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing some of your work and some of your ideas. I think what you shared here today is definitely stuff people could put into action and and start working toward their healing today. So I, I wish you continued success with everything you're doing. And i um, so happy to share your work with my listeners.
1: Thank you, Angela. It's such an honor to be with you today. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen so more people can find us. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and it's recorded in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Chris Collins. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.